0: Reading Aloud is here. How are you? My name is Nate Cordry. I'm the host of Reading Aloud. It's a podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Amazing interview today. I've decided to devote the entire show to my interview with Ali Spaltrow, a.k.a. Lady Lamb, who's an amazing young artist. He's making great music right now. Um, But before we get to talking to Ali, uh, I want to announce a couple things. One, the book club for this month is All the Light We Cannot See which won the Pulitzer Prize last year All the Light We Cannot See I'm about 75 pages in and it is fucking great it is so good Um, I've I'm scribbling notes furiously as I'm reading this thing because it's so rich and compelling so If you're thinking about getting involved in the book club, this is a great month to do it. So all the light we cannot see, Pulitzer Prize winner, Anthony Doerr, D-O-E-E-R, I believe is how you spell his last name. Uh, Pick that up and check it out. And then once you've read the book, email us your thoughts. So tell us what you liked and didn't like about the book at readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com, readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. Join the book club, be a part of the show Get into reading, man. Also, our next live show is September 13th. Sunday, September 13th at 7.30 at the UCB Theater here in Hollywood on Franklin. Amazing set of readers coming up. It's going to be a great show. We've had a month or two off because I've been out of town and have other commitments. And now we're back. And it's a great way to start the fall. Um, So come down. It's only five bucks. Who can't spare $5? So come down to the UCB Theater on Franklin. September 13th, and see a live presentation of Reading Aloud. I will see you there. Uh, now that I've got that stuff out of the way, let's move to this amazing conversation. This is the first time I actually went into the field and did an interview. So I was a little anxious about that. I had to make sure the recorder was working and, and making sure I knew where I was going. Uh, but I think it came together really well. So, uh, so here it is. So I got on a train and crossed the river over to Brooklyn, sat down with Allie, and this is what happened. Okay.
1: okay.
0: Buzzing the apartment now. Um, if I'm bookending this interview with, with songs from your album, which, if you could pick two to start the interview and to close the interview, well, what one would you choose?
2: I would... I would pick my two favorite songs on the album that are kind of the song equivalent, maybe, of the kinds of books that I'm reading, of, like, sort of, like, thinking about consciousness and thinking about what humanity is and, yeah, and like, and that kind of thing and, and looking at how weird life is, that, yeah. all that. So yeah, yeah. I would start it with the song Billions of Eyes, which is kind of a song about anxiety and having trouble connecting with people Mm -hmm. in the world now where we're all kind of on our phones and not really, not really talking to each other. Um, and then I would end it with a song spat out spit, which is about what, what is life? What are we doing? Like, you know, it's, it's just like a weird, like uh, song that an idea that came to me while I was watching someone and it's in the song, but I was watching someone uh, yawning on the on the F train in New York and I looked and I had this weird moment where I've seen people yawn my whole life and I've done it but I when I saw this woman do it I my I had a new perspective on it and I looked at this person and thought that what an odd face like what an odd thing to be doing with your face like what it what that's weird that's yeah. really weird that looks weird yeah
1: um
2: and that spiraled my mind into like The chorus, which is um, Was I born wild? Have I been asleep this whole time, dreaming up my life?
1: Basically. Yeah.
2: Will I actually awake and find out that I'm an animal in the woods?
3: jokes like we could call each other bye All looking at something different at the same
0: first time I heard you um, was on NPR, uh, like Morning Edition yeah. or whatever show. What was it? Was it morning. It was Morning Edition. M-
3: morning Edition,
2: a few months ago, right?
0: Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Like when your record came out. Yeah. In April.
2: In Mar- March. The Morning Edition might have been April. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think it was like the day of or the day after. Oh, then it was March.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Um and the first thing that jumped and and i loved it immediately i was so into your music you. and uh, you're welcome and i got both albums and the new album the thing that jumped out at me the most were your vocals and how um they were they were everything from song to song they were very they were raw and um honest and uh You were vulnerable and angry and like charming. All these things were happening and I totally bought it. And I think a lot of singers attempt to do that, but they rely maybe too much on their lyrics to like tell the story about how they're feeling, Uh whether it's powerful or weak or whatever. But I could totally, um, I just, your voice was, the, the emotion was spot, was spot on. And and that was the first thing I was sort of drawn to. And I wondered if you went into recording that album with like a focus on the vocals and doing that or if it just sort of came naturally. Oh,
2: yeah. Both albums, the focus was the vocals mm. over everything, I think. Or mm. pulling out the energy in general. So like playing the guitar until until the take where I knew that I was really digging and really in it, yeah. really present. And like, so I would do as many vocal takes until I was present and there and and felt like I was giving it. Sometimes to the point where like tears would stream down my face, not out of any sadness or anger, but just like giving, you know what I mean? Like just being there in the moment and yeah. present. And yeah, I would just keep going until I got there. And and also just visualize what I was singing about too to kind of go back to that place where I was writing you know and writing the lyrics to begin with.
0: Have you ever done Have you ever done any acting Have you ever done You know
2: it's funny I acted once um, <laughs> a, a really dear friend of mine who's from Portland Maine really talented writer and filmographer guy he wrote this short twenty minute film about a spy that honestly it was so. Um, how do i put this like this the it was almost like the whole script was an inside thing with him like it wasn't uh-huh. long enough for the audience to really understand really what was going on to the point where i still don't even understand exactly what <laughs> was happening but i was i was the main character of uh, this like spy girl who was seeking revenge on some guy and we filmed it over a weekend in maine but i was like 19 and at that point i'm 26 now 7 yeah. years ago i was miserable for whatever reason at that time and Mm -hmm. I was living here and I didn't want to have to go back to Maine on that weekend and so I was just like didn't want to do it and the the big kicker was that most of my scenes were voiceover uh, reacting to a voice so I was I was giving a line oh, to boy. the air, which was so difficult oh, for gosh. me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But it's funny that you mention that because it's something I'm curious about because I like the idea of reacting with a person, mm-hmm. but I've not really had the chance to do that. Yeah. Speaking out to the air is, for your first time is like... It,
0: That's a I, big... It
2: wasn't believable. <laughs> I did a terrible job.
0: <laughs> That's a big ask of him to say that to you, to yeah. ask you
2: to... Yeah. I don't think, I don't know, I don't think he, he realized that it was difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it truly was. It was and, it, and I'm embarrassed by it. <laughs> <laughs> I when, won't tell you the name of it. I, I, I will look it up.
0: <laughs> when you're performing live in front of an audience and you're singing specific songs, are you recalling um, the emotion of each song in the moment? Or is that just too much to do?
2: Um, there's so many trigger phrases that take me back to a place. Mm. Um, and a lot of times it's a good place. Um not everything is is brutal and, yeah, and, and yeah. terrible. So a lot of the stuff on this new album is more just uh, uh, kind of just thoughts I had while having an experience and, yeah. and 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 so it's very in my mind in my head you know in, instead of like a an emotional experience. But it's it's I'm recalling a lot of like uh, memories and then the physical act of the like the way that I sing really just opens me up. Yeah. So the emotion just it. It has that's to great. come. It has to come out because of the way that I have to push the air out and yeah, the yeah. sound out. It's just—it's coming from such a deep place that it's like um, that's just the way. It,
0: You're so it lucky is. because so many like sensitive, creative people don't have that ability to to get there. Not only to get there, but then to have the confidence and courage to fucking express it yeah. because there's risk.
2: Oh yeah. Like oh. when you're
0: expressing all there's enormous oh, risk. It's so
2: vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm an extremely introverted person. Like I'm. I mean, it's it is actually so bizarre to me to think about the fact that I ended up where I am, where I'm under a light. Yeah, like, yeah. On in front of people, elevated. Yeah. That's so not who I am in my everyday life. So yeah. it's a, it is a very like um, naked place. Yeah. Um, to be, but it, but you know, I get so much out of. Feeling the feeling, the feeling of singing. <laughs> you Fuck know yeah. what I mean?
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, I feel like I'm just floating. Yeah. Um, and and that I welcome the emotion, and it's not sad. It's not sad emotion. Even when I'm singing about miserable things, I feel uplifted. I feel like like a just. Filled up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because no matter what the emotion is, the fact that you're feeling it yeah. is just so fucking cathartic yeah. and empowering.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. so many people just don't have the ability to do that, whether yeah. it's just basic repression or whatever. But And also just being afraid
2: because it's scary. Sure. So. And also, yeah, I mean, it's a fear too of just like the idea of getting jaded or when you're on tour and you're really tired and you start to resent what you're doing. That's yeah. a hard place to be too. You have Fuck to kind yeah. of figure out... You have to kind of try to f- harness that anxiety and yeah. you know, still get there, yeah. even when you're exhausted and you don't want to. You know? S-
0: so how did you get to the place, this is an enormous question that may be impossible to answer, but how did you get to the p- place as, as a performer, just as an artist, as a person who wants to express themselves, from uh, noodling in your room or just practicing and just sort of picking up guitar or writing down a couple of phrases Mm -hmm. and then crossing that line to saying, okay, what I'm, what I've just made is worthy of sharing with, with strangers.
2: It was actually one person in my life who brought me to that place of, in my mind. It wasn't, it did not come from me. I, when I started writing, I was 18 and I was doing it solely for myself. I had just come out of my first, you know, relationship in high school and was, was just so upset and um, was finding that it was therapeutic. And I kind of just fell into doing it. I had all this poetry, and I was faced with being home for a year between high school and college. Um, and so I decided to teach myself how to play, to put the words to music. I'd never even sung before. Um, before Whoa. that. Not even in the shower. I mean, I just didn't sing. Um, and... Uh, it was my. Bo- I worked at a video store, a video rental store, for four years, and it was my boss Bart who owned the store. Who I, the first person I shared my songs with. I had like ten really early songs, and they were layered with, with silly instruments and sounds that I could that I picked up, and I recorded them all in the basement. The, the store was in the basement. I recorded them all after hours there, and I shared them with Bart, and he gave me really constructive criticism, and was like, "This is a little." This is great and has so much potential, but it's very heavy-handed. I think you need to kind of rein it in, <laughs> yeah. simplify.
1: You know what I mean? And I was like,
2: I was so eager. I was like, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I
2: wanted to please him. You know, I wanted him to. I wanted. I I needed Bart's approval for to gain the confidence to keep going, and then finally he was like, uh, after maybe three months of this uh, and sharing with him only, he was like. Have you thought about performing? And I hadn't. I really hadn't at all. Um, wow. Yeah. And this other customer, this customer who was a songwriter, um, found out that I was doing this kind of secretly, making this, these songs, and said, and, "And we were we were acquaintances, and he uh, he invited me to an open mic night in the town over, and I went, and there was like three people there. It was the dead of winter in Maine, uh, and I was you know scared shitless, but I did it, and I felt you know, a sense of accomplishment for even doing that as such an introvert and a shy person and a quiet person. And it spiraled from there. I went to a, there was an open mic night in Portland, Maine and I was underage. I wasn't even supposed to be there but the owner let me in and, But it took me three weeks just to get the courage to go in the doors. Like, I would drive the 25 minutes to Portland, sit in my car outside the doors, like, with white-knuckling it. And I would go home. I would drive half-hour home.
0: Oh, my God. And I did
2: that for weeks until I finally went in. And then all these older... I was 18. All these older people that were playing songs in Portland, these, like, you know, 25-year-olds, were like, Who's this? Holy shit. And I was like... Okay, and I got you know, and I I got into the community that way in Portland, and then I, very early on, very early I was like, this is my, this is the rest of my my life, this is my career, this is it.
0: Did you have other intentions before then of like having a career in?
2: Yeah, I wanted to go into film editing. I was enrolled to go to school in Chicago. For for film, I okay. was super into film, su- really into editing, which actually translated so well into what I do now because I'm hyper I bet. into editing music and working on my laptop with a system and you know and, and putting parts together and arranging music. So it, it it transferred over in a way.
0: You're gonna start scoring films.
2: I would love that. Have you already done that? No, no, that's, that's it's on future. my list. It's on my yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. And like for this album too, I, I was able to take that that you know passion and and make like my own lyric videos for the, for the music. So I find that doing so this like cool. all my little outlets in high school and ph- of photography and film and all this just kind of they're still there. Yeah, I can, I can still work on visuals. For that, for, for, with music.
0: This, you know. the community in Portland must be so fucking proud of you. It's,
2: I, it's amazing there. It, it's such a good music scene and everyone is so supportive of me. You came
0: back recently. Yeah. Were you touring with someone else? Were you, did you open? When rec- I
2: played there? Yeah. I was just there like, uh, maybe a week and a half or two weeks. I don't know. A week and yeah, a half yeah. ago at the State Theater in Portland. We were State opening Theater. for uh, the is there. Right. Yeah. It's going home is, is great. Oh
0: god, yeah. I can't see so many friends and I can't imagine.
2: Yeah, people are really wonderful. Yeah. There.
0: Uh, my mom lived um, grew up in South Portland, so I went to South Portland like You're all the kidding. time. Yeah, my grandfather lived there. So that's so funny. My yeah. dad
2: grew up in South Portland, so my all what? my family's there. Like my whole South Portland, side of, yeah, South Portland, South Portland High, and yeah. yeah
0: I'm sure my, my mother is probably 20 years older than than your dad, but I'm sure they know each other. But that's crazy. Yeah,
2: yeah all my aunts and uncles are there still. South Portland's like, yeah. Well, Portland, Brunswick.
0: Did you ever go to uh, um, DiPietro's, Sam DiPietro's? No. For Maine Italians?
2: No. We just we do Amano's Italians. So. Amano's is great. Yeah, Amano's <laughs> yeah. is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What's that? Is that
0: like a shop? And- yeah, it's like a it's like a um like a cumbies like mm-hmm. that. You can buy beer and gum, and then the back is a very small deli oh, counter. Oh yeah. And it was at the end. It was on Gowdy Street in South Portland, and my grandfather lived on Gowdy Street. So we'd walk down for Maine Italians. Wow. Like, and that as we were driving up, like my brother and my dad were just like rock. They couldn't fucking wait. And mm-hmm. if my brother was within. <laughs> Two hundred miles.
2: <laughs> He'll go of
0: South Portland. He will go out of his way. Oh, that's great. And get. I wonder yeah. if our
2: grandparents knew each other. That's
0: Probably. So I wouldn't weird. be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Where are you? Where did you grow up? I
0: grew up in Weymouth, which is south of Boston, okay. like ten miles south yeah. of the city. Yeah. Great. But uh, but I spent so much time there as a kid. Going yeah. to the main mall. Oh There's yeah. A really awesome arcade in the main mall that I used to I dream don't know of. If
2: the arcade's there anymore.
1: Oh, don't I went recently. That. Really? When we
2: were home, like, because we had been on tour for two and a half weeks, and we went all the way out to, like, middle of nowhere Canada above Montana, and we were so homesick for comfort. Sometimes when you're on tour, you just want to walk around a target to feel at home. Totally. You're just like, I need something that's familiar that I know, that I can control, which is that I know know every target (laughs) is the same layout, so I just need to walk around a target. How? I miss home And so we did that We went back We went to the main mall After the tour And was just like "Ah, uh, <sighs> America
0: This is a question I, I You're the only third musician That I've interviewed But I always ask this question Because I When I was younger I did a tour of a play For a year I was on the road for a year And every Monday I was in a But we would sit down For a week at least So we yeah. weren't moving every night But um, How far into tour Do you want to Murder people? Is there, have you figured out like there's like a cutoff?
2: Yeah. So in my experience, it's like the first week is kind of difficult because you're getting in the routine of like Mm -hmm. your body is like getting used to little less sleep and less vegetables and all that kind of thing. Yeah, Um, I would say around like the three week mark, you you want to just you don't talk to your bandmates mates in the car, or you guys are all quiet with your <laughs> headphones on. It's like the van is alone time. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. act like you're just alone in the van. Yep. And um and then around like I would say a week before tour ends, you are there's a mo there's a time where you're kinda of sleepwalking and you're just like, This is my new life. I don't know home. Home doesn't exist. This is it. This is yep. more, this is my life now. Yeah. But then there's something happens for me like around the fifth like maybe the fifth week if it's let's say it's a six week tour where I am like, oh, I could go three more. Like, I, yes. you're in the zone. You're, you you yeah. get really in the zone right as it's ending.
0: Are you in the zone because you see the light at the end of the tunnel or because you just developed Because you, a, you developed
2: the... a routine. Like, yeah. it's it, It's almost like that's the length of time I've found that it takes me to adapt to this new scenario of, like, yeah. being in a city a day and yeah. and, like, you know, going to rest stops. Like, suddenly there's a clicking point where you're like, oh, I could keep going. Let's right. just put. I could do eight weeks. Yeah, you know, so. it's so
0: funny you say three because I uh, I interviewed. Do you know Jesse Cohen from Tan Lines? Do you know the band Tan Lines?
2: I know. I've heard the name, but I've yeah. never heard the music. Is a
0: Brooklyn band, and he said three weeks. And I uh, one of the, my first interviews was Amy Mann, and she said the same thing: three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks is when you just can't fucking. Yeah. You just start to get this stare.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the halfway point, and you, you don't see the end, and you're yeah. deep enough in. It's yeah. That's a
4: that's a pretty terrible time.
0: Oh God, it's fucking gnarly. Um, is there something about being from Maine that influences you like as an artist? Do you think about it a lot? Cause I know you like, you, you have a Maine tattoo. Yes? I do.
2: I have a Maine tattoo on my arm. I have a lot of Maine pride and I don't, Yeah. I don't, if I had to guess where that really comes from, it might be in part, I thought about this a lot. I think it's in part because I I moved every three years as a kid, sometimes a little less than that. Oh, man. And I basically had, you know, a box of my belongings that I love, like my, like, um, memorabilia stuff that I loved. that I would just put up in the new room until I felt like that was my, you know... It was like I had a portable life that was just constantly rotating into different rooms. Did you teach yourself cities. that? Yeah, like how to be comfortable. And that's why I think I, I love to tour and be on the road is because I was adaptable as a kid. Um, yeah. But I think it's because I moved back to Maine when I was 14 um, because my parents separated. But both my parents were born and raised in Maine. So I only visited Maine when I was six years old. That was the, of all the years because my, my family had very little money growing up being like a military family with three kids. So we only went to Maine once. And um, I so I didn't have much of a connection to it besides the sort of mystique surrounding it with like my family stories and sure. all my most of my family members still living there and my grandparents. So um, I think that I have a lot of like uh, a deep rooted love for Maine because when I moved back there at 14, it was the first place I really felt at home and like wow. it was pretty instant too because I had all these stories. Like we moved to Brunswick, um, my mo- we actually went to Brunswick High, which was my mom's rival high school. Thank God she didn't make us go to her high school. It's a shithole. It's a
1: dump? Yeah, it's yeah. it's
2: uh like the the neighboring town Topsum. but um, but anyway, we we ended up getting a house in Brunswick and, and going there because the school it was a good high school. Uh, but um but i f- i just felt very much at home right when we got there and my yeah. mom like my mom's first high school job was on the islands just 20 minutes off of brunswick and so bailey island like we i'd go out there and be like oh this is this is family this is family history this is this is this is where i belong so yeah, yeah i just like i needed that sense of home my whole life and i finally got it in maine wow so i have a real love for it and and you your, know
0: your father must have been so excited when he was when he was reassigned to the uh, naval base, and was that, was that well, where he was? he actually were- wasn't.
2: No, he was oh. Air Force. My parents separated, and he moved on to—I uh, guess he moved right to Washington State, and my mom moved us back to Maine.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, okay. yeah.
2: But it was a—it was a weird time. It's like thinking back on that; it happened. It all happened really quickly, like the—the the separation and all that. But yeah. I, we moved to Maine, and I started high school a week later. And for the first like three oh. weeks of high school, we lived with my grandparents in my mom's childhood home in Lisbon. Um, which is Lisbon Lisbon High where Stephen King went to high school, which is ah. an even worse shithole. Oh so we we were really lucky to end up finally in Brunswick. But just like um,
0: backwoods, like uh, like
2: just um I you know, I, I hate to, to put it in these words, but just like really kind of like run down, like yeah. really poor town, just yeah. like a mill town.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. has seen better days.
2: Just seen better days. Um, but my grandparents' house, like my mom lived in that house when she was in high school and it hasn't changed a bit since the, wow. the early eighties. And a lot of a lot of people in this in this country or world or whatever, they grew up with a family home, like something constant. And I and, and the same friend since elementary school, I have no idea what that feels like. Yeah. So for me, Maine is the is as close as I can get to that yeah, kind, yeah. Of kind of structure. So
0: did you go through at fourteen, did you go all in the like a span of a few weeks like your parents separating and then you moving to Maine and then starting high school. How, like how much time passed between those Uh, things happening?
2: Between finding out about the divorce and then moving to Maine was about eight days. It was bizarre. (sighs) My parents were like, they, my mom told us we were all sitting together in the bedroom and my dad was just like not saying anything. My mom told us and she was like, I'm leaving tomorrow to go get us a house and a car and a job. And you guys are going to come in a week. And so we were with my dad for that week, and he he was working every day. So we were just kind of the three of us kids sitting around like, what the fuck is where, happening? Where were you? We were in Germany. We lived in Germany. Yeah. And we'd been there for two and a half years. Um,
1: Holy yeah. shit.
2: But it's weird. Like, looking back, it's oldest? a flip. You're... I'm the oldest of three. Yeah. Yeah. I have a sister who's 20 months younger and a brother who's six years younger. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did
0: you feel, like, a sense of because you're the oldest to, like like, help out your brother and sister, or yeah. were you two, like, what your head was just spinning? I think, spinning. I
2: think mostly, I, both, my sister Jay and I were, like, we had always been productive, protective over our brother, and he was eight, so yeah. we were just, we were taking care of him all day, and making him lunch, and basically, like, acting, playing mom for him, you know, like, yeah, while that was happening, and then, yeah, yeah we moved to Maine, and high school started a week later, suddenly, I'm, and oh. I'm a freshman in high school, um, and at the time, I would... But, you know, it actually went really well. Like, at the time, yeah. I was super into, like... Uh, I was... Uh, in eighth grade, ninth grade, I was starting to really get into music, like, um, beyond just listening to the Beatles as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I was into, <laughs> like, The Clash and, you know, whatever. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Who turned
0: you on to, to interesting music? Was there someone who was, like, a...
2: Well, my f- best friend as a freshman in high school, turned me on to a lot of the stuff I listen to to this day. Her, yeah. her name was Cecil. She gave herself that name. She was a really weird girl. But Whoa. she named herself Cecil. She was a senior when I was a freshman, and she was the coolest girl in school. Yeah, fuck she yeah. She wore, this was back, this was like at the prime time for this, she wore like uh, one of those uh, winter hats that's like the Holden Caulfield type hat that has like yeah, the fur and the, the, the ears. Flaps. Yeah, you the flaps. She wore that all the time. And big sunglasses in school. And she was loud and, like, everybody loved her. And I was like, I mean, she's going to be my best friend. And she, we we became very close and she turned me on to all the music that I loved at the time. This was 2004. So it was, like, Interpol and The Shins and Postal Service and all that, new pornographers and all that kind Uh, of stuff that I still love. Um, So, but yeah, so high school, actually, the transition was pretty, pretty, pretty simple because all because everything happened so quickly yeah it w- it felt just like this weird like bloop in time yeah. and then it was like this is my new life hustle hustle have to go yeah you, you have to, I mean? yeah yeah and so I just adapted
0: my parents divorced when I was 17 and they and it was it a surprise for you for you oh did you,
2: big time hundred okay. like percent
0: yeah same here yeah it was like wait, 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 what? what what's happening like family meeting same. sat down and um, And I was 17, I I graduated from high school the weekend before, it was the Saturday before Father's Day, and my mother said, um, I'm leaving your father, and I'm gay. And a, like, that sentence comes out. And, and that summer, I I mean, I was, I, I wasn't... Were you the oldest? I was the youngest. Oh. So I had to, so, and it was like, the marriage was kind of like dissolving a bit before that time. Um, and my brother was in New York and my sister was in was in school, so it was just me sort of in the house.
2: And you just graduated. Do you think that had something to do with the timing?
0: Yes. I think they were just waiting to like tie up a loose ends. Yeah. Like, let's get him out of high school and then we can sort of transition. But that summer, like... What I just like walked around like in a fucking daze and then went to college, just like kind of confused, like what? What?" Because I had this image of like my family was just like so rock solid, and we I was like, this is we are this perfect family. Um, and I think it probably would have been better if I was if like the next week I started school and I was like busy to sort of like distract you exactly, but because I had this like time, like I had a shitty summer job and I was like finding my time to go to college. I was just like, what the...
2: That's a lot of info.
0: It was a lot of info. It was a lot yeah. of info. And um, I know
2: the feeling, too, because my parents, like, they, we had, like, a rock-solid family, like, amazing childhood. Yeah, yes, yeah, same Eating watermelon here. on the back porch, like, totally. for dessert as a family, like, yeah. family walks. Like, um, you know what great. I mean? Like, yeah. pretty, it's it's bizarre when that so happens. So charming and no, perfect. F-, no fighting in front of the kids, you know. Oh, same
0: of, here. Never, yeah. never, ever, ever. It was and like, that way,
2: we're lucky, I think, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, uh... Did you, did you open for Nico Case or the new pornographers?
2: Nico Case, she's my favorite. Oh my god, <sighs> she's you must a have hero. been so.
0: I I am a, such a. Do sh- you like her? Oh my god, you fucking kidding me! Everything
2: about her, everything about her career and the Just... decisions she's made. She's solid. She is so. She has so much integrity. Yeah. She's not afraid to tell you how it is yeah i love that she's
0: the fucking best
2: i if i can have even a quarter of the career she's had like she is like my you know what was that
0: like when you got the call like from your management team oh, like all right guess who you're you know
2: i i you know it's funny because there was only like six shows and i knew going in that it was like <laughs> it was like nothing shows for them they were they had a this was a couple years ago they had and it was in europe they had a were playing primavera sound the festival in spain yeah Yeah. and they just had a they needed to buy their time between like i think two weekend shows so they had a week they had they had they booked a week of shows between as like practice shows because the new record was coming out so you know like it was just like it wasn't, like, their A-market show. It wasn't, like, yeah, guys, like, new record. That It was, like, yeah. oh, let's practice our new material, whatever. But just show in Germany. Who cares?
3: <laughs> you know? And I was, like, <laughs> couldn't believe it. And,
0: um... Were you able to contain, like, your fandom? Or were you just, like... Let's just get this out. I'm I'm a huge fucking fan of yours, and you're fucking wonderful. Or were you like, hey, how are you? I contained
2: it. I was I was just cool. You know what I mean? And and I they were they were sweet enough to let me in on the bus. Like I got a bunk on their bus. I was with I was with them for a week. My my bunk was above her bunk, and like, um, and I would joke with my friends. I would like text my friends and be like, can I smell her? Like can
4: I can I just leave not (laughs) alone? But um
2: yeah, no, that was amazing. That that was a moment in time for me. And then of course I at the end of the tour was when I walked up to her. She was in the green room and I said I walked up to her with like tears in my eyes, which I couldn't help, and I just said, I just want you to know how much I love and respect you. You've been so important to me for ten years and this has been like an honor. And I like and then uh, I just walked away. <laughs>
0: fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's Kelly Hogan, As hilarious in person as she is. Kelly Hogan on is, is a dream. And yeah. she
2: actually is singing with the new pronoun. Uh, no, sorry. She's singing with um the Decemberist right now. So I just saw her oh, yeah, that week of, ru- of show. She's such a wonderful. I have a huge crush on her. She's fucking so she's great. She's so funny. And she's. Such a great singer. Yeah.
0: Oh my God, she's fucking. Great. And
2: she's gorgeous. Like she's got this like short salt and pepper hair. Yeah, thing yeah. yeah. And it's, it's killing it.
0: I've seen um, Nico Case like three times, and you know my eye is of course drawn to her because she's the focus. But I, I, I'm just kind of ping ponging back and forth from her to Kelly to her because they have such a great friendship and rapport yeah. on stage, and. You know they're such good friends, yeah. and you can just tell that it just exudes yeah. warmth. And and
2: Kelly's like the the one that likes to banter. So there is yeah, a lot yeah. of like you look at Kelly for the, the yeah jokes for during the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I saw them randomly. I was in New Zealand on a working, and they were happened to be in New Zealand. and I saw them, and there was like maybe a hundred people there. And but the front row there was like ten high school girls who were just right at the front row, like just the eyes enormous and singing along to every song and they were like, This is the this is the cutest front row oh. we've ever seen in our yeah. lives. It was just so fucking charming.
2: There there are a few artists in this world that like I am just their loyal fan for as long Fuck, as yeah. they do it. Yeah. Like I will just buy everything she ever does. Same you know here. what I mean? Same here. You, I don't even have to check in. It's just like, oh, yeah, obviously. Totally.
0: We're going to take the shortest of breaks and come right back with more Lady Lamb. You're listening to Reading Aloud. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Howl FM, the best and most convenient way to listen to all the episodes of Reading Aloud. On the web at howl.fm and on the go with the Howl app. Yeah, you can stream and download all all reading-a-lot episodes that have been released in the past six months and go beyond the audio with behind-the-scenes photos, commentaries, and more. But there's a way to go further. Yes, you can go deeper by upgrading to Howl Premium for only $4.99 a month. You get exclusive access to the entire Reading Aloud Archive, and to all the Earwolf and Wolfpop archives. This includes all episodes older than six months, all remastered with zero ads. That's right. No ads. Only with Howl Premium, listen to hundreds of hours of the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, classic interviews in there, Robin Williams, Louis C.K., and more. Howl has also partnered with some of your favorite hosts and comedians to develop Howl originals. Brand new shows available only with Howl Premium. Check out the great new series from Lauren Lapkus and the AV Club right now. Already there are 10 brand new hilarious Howl Originals and we're adding new shows every week. Get access to all this exclusive content both on your phone and on your desktop with Howl Premium for only $4.99 per month. And with the promo code READING, you get a full month of a free trial. Just go to Howl.fm and enter code READING at checkout. Remember, you can use Howl on your phone or your computer, but you can only use my promo code on Howl.fm. That's the website. So go to Howl.fm, that's H-O-W-L.fm, and use the promo code READING for one free trial of Howl Premium. And now let's get right back to our interview with Alice Balstro, aka Lady Lamb. Um, I have like one or two more questions, and I want to talk about books. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about writing. Is there an ideal place for you to write and create, or is it just when it comes, it, it comes?
2: I write lyrics first, um, and so and I stopped many years ago. I stopped writing poetry, like find like full pieces of work that had a beginning and end or whatever yeah so now i write phrases so i just write i'm just constantly not constantly but um writing phrases that come to mind and keeping a log of them and i'll just keep them in one like notebook or one document or whatever yeah and, um depending on how i'm writing them um kind of just all stacked and then later and and a lot of it happens on tour on mm-hmm. tour when I'm looking out the window or whatever. Yeah. That's when I, when I come up... That's when I'm thinking and I come up with things. And yeah. then when I get home from tour, that's when I kind of puzzle piece things together. I never allow myself to reread what I've written until weeks later when I get home. And then that will trigger new, new thoughts when I do that. Whoa. And then I'll kind of collage them into something that makes sense. And the way that works, the reason why that works is because... A lot of the thoughts were from a specific period of time. So they all have kind of a common thread about okay. what, what, what I was thinking about in those days. Like, whether I was thinking about, like, I don't know, like humanity or existential things or animals or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah. like, that, there's common threads within those phrases, and then I just figure out how they fit. And then I have a piece, and I'm like, oh, now this makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. how cool. Um, and then the music comes after that. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. after I have a page of lyrics that I feel is a, um, is a piece yeah. that's finished, then I write the music.
0: Does, does a producer come in only when you are in a recording studio or do, is there, because I know you've used the same producer yeah. on both of your albums, yeah?
2: Yeah, so, um, I do it all by myself on a laptop. Okay. Basically right here, like yeah. in the apartment. Right. Um, and I ra- arrange everything. I use uh, this keyboard that's hooked to MIDI, which transmits. Like there's a the I use Logic, which is an Apple program. And I um, when I want to write like string parts and horn parts and stuff, right? I can just play the keyboard hooked to the computer, and it will play those sounds. So I can write orchestras with a with a simple you know musical keyboard
0: so you're doing you do all that arrangement yeah as well i write
2: all the music Whoa. including the drums which for this album i i wrote using a keyboard literally my fingers holy shit and um a drum pad that i'm borrowing and um and and real sticks there's six pads and i just Whoa. play that
0: do you have like headphones on you're yeah. just sort of sitting and that's
2: the beauty of it is that i can do this any time of day or night because it's it's in headphones. Right. Yeah. And I play I write with my electric guitar, which I hook right to the computer. and so I can bang away on my electric guitar and not disturb anyone in this building. Whoa, how any cool. time of night. And I can the guitar that I'm hearing in my headphones is has fuzz on it, distortion, whatever I want. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: And actually the plugins for those sounds are really solid to the point where a lot of the sounds you hear on my new album, our plugins. Whoa. Because they sounded better than the sounds I was getting through an amp and pedals. So I kept them.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. I'm
2: surprised.
0: We're living in a in a good time. Yes we are, my god. Yeah. Do you have have you been able to play any of your songs with the full orchestration live? Like with horns and strings?
2: Um with horns, yeah. With strings only on the last album. But for this this record, for the release shows, I had horn players. You play did. Those parts, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. cool. Just for the
2: three, like the the hometown shows, the New York, Boston, Portland, Maine.
0: Okay. Yeah. That must have. You must have it's fucking. So, loved, it must have been a fun so toy fun. to like yeah. have those have those people there.
2: Yeah, and what's also so wonderful too is that when I write the part with my keyboard. It actually gets in the system, in the computer system, it gets transcribed to sheet music. So you can literally print out wow, the thing fuck. I play with my fingers. I can print out and a player that reads music can right. read it right off and play it right there. Right. That's how they did it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's amazing.
0: amazing. That's so fucking cool. Um, is it harder to write music when you're in love or out of love?
2: It's harder to write it in love, I think, yeah. because you have a film over everything. There's, you know, Yeah. it's I've found for me personally it's better to have the have the, the time to process everything that happened. Yeah. I I'm actually learning about myself for the first time in 26 years. I'm learning that I'm an observer in life. Like I I'm the type that likes to huh. I'm just in my head. I like to I like to experience something and then sit on that, and, like, think about it later, and th- and process it, or, like, rather than, like, wanting uh, I guess, I don't know how to word it, but, like, instead of jumping out of an airplane and experiencing that, I would rather, I would rather hear about it, or he- hear a story about someone doing it, and yeah. process that, or see it, and process that information into poetry, <laughs> and then... Huh. And then
0: As opposed to experiencing it yeah. yourself and saying, I felt this and this is what happened.
2: Yeah. So in that way, like with me writing music, it's just a lot of processing of of different things Whoa. later. Yeah. And then just figuring it out. Yeah. Are there yeah. things
0: going through your head nowadays that are popping in as mm. far as new music and new songs and new albums? Or are you holding off? You- um,
2: I'm, I'm slowly just building lyrics right now. Yeah. Because it's really hard... I, ha- I have to admit, like when you're on tour, sometimes you're in such a rut because you're, you're, all you're doing is you're driving in the car and you're going to gas stations and you're trying to get to the venue on time and then you're there, you're there at four o'clock in the afternoon. And then you're, it's like the hurry up and wait, Yeah. hurry up and get there. And then you wait for four hours yeah. or five and you play Yeah. and you get to bed at two or three in the morning. That's with no partying. That's with like packing up exactly. and like do, getting paid and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, so
0: what happens in those four to five hours? Can you walk around the neighborhood? Or do you get yeah, stuck in the green around, room. Walk around.
2: But because I manage myself, I also, I sit on my, I have to do email. So that's like time to right. catch up on work and, um, and read and walk and try to find a time for dinner. That's the big one. I, it's so funny to admit, but like the biggest Pretty thing is meal? figuring out when to eat. Yeah, because yeah. if I the way that like you can't eat you can't sing on a full stomach right. you actually should I I mean personally should sing on an empty stomach so that, I can get as deep as I can, and there's yeah. nothing. There's no like cornbread blocking, <laughs>
1: you know <what> I mean? <laughs> blocking
2: the sound. So it's always like looking at my watch, like, oh god, okay, four hours before yeah, tomorrow, yeah. before it's the show. Lean
0: chicken breast, maybe, and uh, yeah, some like, brown rice. Can
2: I do fried? Uh, can I do like? Uh, can I do like? Fruit and veggies now and like yeah. when can I and then like after the show I'm like gorging
4: on a burger. Yeah. It's it's that's weird. That's such
0: a that's such a theater, like whenever I do plays, you don't I cause like there's too much anxiety before, so you don't eat very little just mm-hmm. so you have enough blood sugar to go through. Yeah. And then when the show ends, you just
3: fucking bar- en-
0: starving, you want to drink and eat so much food and like I this, know the feeling, yeah. yeah. When
2: the show ends, all I want is to find the nearest like French fries and like Yeah, you know like Reuben Basically yeah, you need to just fucking like refuel. go crazy like yeah. on like really terrible food like yeah, yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah. Well, you said um we'll transition because you said uh I'm you're sick. reading Yeah, I'm
3: sure he doesn't knock it.
0: Oh, no, it's fine. Um Allie is holding the recorder because her fucking adorable cat is just wanting to spend He's been asleep on the bed. I've been watching him roll around, but now he just kind of wants to hang out. I think he's good. Hey man, does he speak?
2: His eye looks better. He yips a little bit, yeah. so it's rare, but that's what makes it so cute. Aww. My
0: cat is very, very talkative. He just lets he lets me know, yeah, yeah, what's how he's feeling. He meows when
2: he's coming when I'm coming up the stairs.
0: Oh, really? You can hear him through the door. Yeah, that's really it's cute. So cute. Um, so you can find some time to read, and that's like after sound check before you yeah. go on. Um, were you always a uh, were you always a reader? Was it something like your folks did? Um, a bunch? Or?
2: You know, my parents, growing up, they were not readers. Yeah. My mom read, occasionally she would read like Stephen King or like, who's that guy? Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton? Yeah, so she would read stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but my I mom was read, a, read the same yeah? stuff. Yeah. So I was a huge reader as a kid to the point where like, I was, I mean, that was my thing as a kid. I was super into books. And really? like, when you're in elementary school and middle school, there's like perks to reading too. There was like, uh, these points you could get.
0: Yeah. The SRAs. Did you do that?
2: My, I don't know. What is that? The
0: SRAs, dude. SRAs. I don't know what The different is. colors. You take the test. <laughs> I think mean, this is just like a Massachusetts thing. <laughs> it's like an English, like they, it's like starts off with like blue and there's like 50 shades of colors. And the more books you read and the like, you test after the books to make sure that you've read the book. You go on to the next color oh, and you go on no, and on.
2: I don't think we did that in the Southwest when when I was oh, really? okay. a kid there.
0: Did you have Scholastic?
2: Scholastic for sure. That was the
0: greatest thing in the fucking world. Oh yeah. When the Scholastic box came.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, and like the book fairs and like the more yeah. you read, the more you like you got free books when the book fairs came for yeah. being a reader. And so and I I was really into that too. So and I was also like back then I was also into writing little Fantasy books and really? illustrating them. So my whole no life shit. up till, I would say up till seventh grade, when I suddenly took a turn for skateboarding
0: Yeah, yeah. randomly for a
2: couple <laughs> years, um, I was super into books. And, um, and then i I would say that like high school, high school, I wasn't really into reading. I was into art. Yeah, but I wasn't really into reading, and Neither a lot of times I. I wouldn't even read the books we were assigned. Neither would I.
0: I would never do it.
2: I would be like Jane Eyre. What the fuck? I don't care. Yeah, like, totally. You know I mean? Yeah,
0: I don't give a fuck. Johnny Frenchman. I don't give a shit. That? And I'm also, bored.
2: I was one of those pretentious kids that hated Catcher in the Rye. You know, like? I was one of those kids that was like
0: the only kid fuck in class. That. That. Yeah, everyone's right. like,
2: this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. In like AP English, and I'd be like, fuck this. <laughs> and my teacher would be like, Allie. Like, you know, I mean, I wasn't really, yeah, crazy, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, and yeah like yeah. Uh, But I was, I and I had teachers that were so pretentious in high school that were like, that you, <laughs> that if you had a different opinion, then oh, you, no. if you, if you didn't like it, they, they weren't into you. Like you had really? to follow the grain. Yeah. Yeah. I had these like weird, I, I hope they'll never hear this, but I had these Ooh. weird teachers that were just like. Wanted. It was their opinion or, or or nothing.
0: Wouldn't they be excited about like a contrary opinion so we can have a discussion about think, the fucking pros and cons of that think, book? You would think.
2: You would think. But really, I just felt like I was their their nose was like turned up at me or oh something. Boy. They thought I was just like trying to. Not Did you like skate it.
0: into class? You're like fucking skater die, so <laughs> yeah. like, We don't like her. Like,
1: oh. Skater die.
0: Skater die, bros. <laughs> um. <laughs> it, do your folks, or do you still have those fantasy books that you? um...
2: Oh yeah.
0: Where are the?
2: Um, do those still well, exist. Yeah, in my mom's house, and I've been meaning to bring them back. And I can picture where they are. They're in, a, in like a tub. The one that I remember, I the one that I loved, which was like a rain, rainbow colored colored pencils uh-huh. on the cover, laminated, yeah. um, was called the. I want to say maybe it was the Chronicles, but. Maybe not something like, to that effect, like the Chronicles of Resonon. Ooh. Resonon was like this fantasy world I created, and the cover, the way that you got there, was on a roller coaster. Wow. And so the cover of the book is a roller coaster with these little kids on it, like
0: off of Earth onto yeah into space. Into space.
2: A- and the other book I wrote was called, and I don't know why because like who the fu- what the fuck, I'd never ridden a horse in my life, but. I was like into horses in third grade. <laughs> I think every girl is somehow. Yeah, yeah. Either told they're supposed to be or at some something. point you have to be. Yeah, and I wrote a book called Pepper and I about um, a little girl and her horse Pepper. Not Pepper, me and Pepper. Pepper died. Oh. Just want you to know. Shot. <laughs> Murder. Illness.
0: Was it? Oh, an illness. Yeah,
2: yeah my dad. The dad. The girl's dad who was a vet, just couldn't save pepper. Oh man. <laughs> is there a
0: part two? Was there, no, was no not,
2: pepper just, pepper just, uh, you know, just disintegrated yeah. into the earth, but
0: well, it was probably made into dog food. Or, oh yeah. Or, or glue. glue. Yeah. yeah. I went to the glue, big glue factory yeah. in the sky. Yeah. And the, oh, and pepper. the first,
2: the first thing I ever wrote, which I have written somewhere is when I was five, I wrote a book that was not a book, but yeah, A sure. couple sentences. Yeah. 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 That were so depressing. Yeah. That was about a little... It was about a monster and a flower. And they... It was like... The mon- there was a monster and there was a flower and the monster didn't have any friends and the flower didn't have any friends. And then one day the monster died and the monster had no friends and the flower died and the flower died and had no friends.
1: Whoa!
0: Whoa. So,
2: yeah, I've been this way forever. Heavy.
0: <laughs> you seem to have had parents that totally, like, embraced your creativity and your imagination, though.
2: Yeah. And they I guess they just taught me about death really early. They were just yeah. like, you're going to die one day, kid. Yep.
0: Yeah. Good for them.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, do you have a children's book that's, like, stuck with you that was that made the biggest impression on
2: well, you? Well, I remember that my like, favorite... or something? Or? Well, I remember my favorite book as a kid was Blueberries for Sal, which was a book mm-hmm. about a little girl picking blueberries with her mom. In Maine, and um, and so I was so connected to this book as a little Whoa. kid because my pa- my family was from Maine. Right. And I had never been. This was before I'd gone. So right. I just it was just this magical thing. And I think there's maybe some bears in it. This little girl goes off picking blueberries and gets lot like lost from her mom or something. And then yeah. I think they bake a pie at the end or something.
0: So it ends. Yeah. Well,
2: it ends well. And there okay. was a, the same author. I can't even remember the author's name, but, but I think it was a guy, he wrote other books, Maine-centric books, like, yeah. one, one Morning in Maine was another one, they were, like, beautifully illustrated, hmm. um, yeah, those were my favorite, Did as a you kid. Read... but I also loved, like, you know, Boxcar Children, do you know that series? No, what's that? I think maybe I, you're a little Older. old, you yeah. missed it by maybe five or six years. Oh, okay, yeah. It's a series of a lot of books about these little kids, who so I think were orphans, and they have adventures. It was really cool. Is there a, like... And the books are, like, you know, they're, like, they're they're big, big girl books. They're probably, hmm. like, f- fourth grade, fifth grade. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole series. Those were awesome.
0: Did you read Benicula?
2: Mm-mm. Have oh, you wait. ever
0: heard of Banicula. Yes,
2: I have. The vampire bunny? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course.
0: And, like, she, he or she, I'm not sure, it might have been asexual. Like, he'd stick his finger, his, his, uh, his fangs in a carrot and, like, drain all the...
1: The carrot juice, juice and celery yeah, and stuff. I remember yeah. that. There's another
0: one part of that series. It was Banicula. And then there's another animal that was. Fuck. I forget. Anyway.
2: That reminds me of those books that I also love, like if you give a moose a muffin, if you give oh, yeah, a moose a yeah. cookie or yes, something.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have. Um, uh, any book recommendations? Book that you books that you love? Yes. Yeah, so, they can share with my listeners. Yeah,
2: that so can, as, as an adult, because you know, like I said, I didn't read in high school, but I and I didn't read for. A, I read very seldomly in the you know since I was like from like eighteen to probably twenty four. I've re, read maybe a book a year. or something. Yeah, me too. Just didn't care. Me um, too. Was doing other things. Yeah. Uh, but I would go through these little phases where I would go to the Strand Bookstore. Near Union Square in yes. Manhattan, which is a, just a beautiful bookstore, yeah. And I would just go on a like a binge. I would buy like eight books that I wanted to read, and I would just like stockpile them for later. And I slowly have gotten through them. Wow. Um, what
0: motivated you to do that? Like, what what made you say, "I'm going in here, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start reading"?
2: I think that I was. Um, I think that it was because I had moved here at the time. I had moved here, sort of. It had been a, a, a pretty recent move. And I was bored. Like I was I was stockpiling my money to pay my bills through music, but that would be like I'd get like five shows or I'd get one college show. And then I and this Mm. was like this was in like two thousand nine or ten where I had very little work. I had Mm -hmm. enough work to pay my phone bill and my rent. Yeah. Which were my only bills really. Right. Get her into my car. And then I would walk around the city. I would just wander the city all day. Just like I would just look around and yeah. I, and and I was bored and I want and and so I was just like I'm going to go read a book I'm just going to go read a book in the park I'm not you know I'm I'm tired of walking. Yeah. So I think it was just something to do like and I felt like my brain my I think I felt that my brain was kind of turning to mush a little bit. Yeah. Like I just wasn't really challenging myself and I wasn't I was writing music at, in my apartment but I wasn't learning. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah yeah yeah. And um but now I'm super in a book phase. Like, right now, the last year, I've, because cool. I've, I've learned that, like, on tour, I also, my brain turns to mush. Because I'm in the car looking at my phone. Yeah. And so I've decided no more of that. Like, I need to be learning. And so my, the books that I love are nonfiction. I love okay. nonfiction. you want to learn. I, I do, and Your I want to learn so- about weird stuff. Like, Yeah. I want to learn about, like... I don't know. I right now I have my hands in a lot in a few different subjects that I'm super into and where? they're a little alienating. Where maybe. Are they? I'm right now. I'm really into learning about psychedelics, uh-huh. but not from the standpoint of doing them. From the standpoint of like, this is extremely interesting. Yeah. What? It, where can our brains go? You have know, you read so-
0: The Electric Kool Aid Acid Test? No, heard oh, of it. Oh god, it's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just finished a book called. Um, well, there's a few right now. I'm reading a book called "Food of the Gods," and the idea behind that one is that um, psychedelic mushrooms had an early effect had an effect on early humans with art and culture. It, it expanded Whoa. their consciousness. It's just a theory. So there's that. I love learning about like the pyramids and like the theories of really what the pyramids were actually used for, yeah. not burial chambers. So that kind of thing, Cool. which is just fascinating and. Um, one of the books I think it's in here that I that I finished recently that I love is called *Intelligence in Nature*, and it's the idea that humans are not the only animals or creatures on Earth that have conscious that make decisions on how to yeah. survive. So, like the idea that plants and ants and whatever right. animals right. like have more. It's not just machine. We're not just machines. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. there's more behind it. So that kind of thing. Wow. Um,
0: so you're on a big nonfiction. Character. Big
2: nonfiction. The other one that I cool. just finished that I loved was called *The Blue Tattoo*, and it's about. This is off that subject, but it's about um, this 14-year-old girl named Olive Oatman, who, in the mid 1800s, she and her family were on a wagon trail moving from, uh, I want to say, uh, Michigan to like California. Yeah. And her family, her their wagon was. Um, mauled by Indians, and her whole family was killed except she and her sister, and they were taken into the tribe. And Whoa. of the, I think it was first the Mojaves, but then they got tra- and they were slaves for a year. But then they got traded to the Apaches, and or maybe it's the other way around. I think I'm getting it wrong. But one of the tribes was naughty, and one of the tribes was really nice.
3: <laughs>
1: and um,
2: the nice tribe like adopted them. And so this is a, this is a, it's a biography of Olive Oatman and the fact that she spent five years living as an Indian Whoa. to the point where, let me show you. Yeah, yeah, They tattooed her. They tattooed her, her chin.
0: Oh my God.
2: And the way that the, um, the,
0: t- Whoa.
2: the idea behind the tattoo is that, um, this tribe believed that if you were tattooed, you would be able to, in the afterlife, you would find your tribe. You would find each other again. Gotcha. And so the idea behind this, uh, one of the theories in the book is that because there's no, there was no scarring on her tattoo, they think that she got it completely willingly. Because the tribe didn't force people to get the tattoo. It was not an obligation. It was a choice. So the idea is that she, that she had a happy life with the tribe. Wow. And this tribe was like... So they, they were even described as white people as being the most beautiful humans on earth. They were tall and gorgeous and like rugged and they swam all day and they like were good to each other and loved and they like loved their children and all they taught their children from day one was generosity, like how to be good to one another. And so it's the theories that Olive really loved being there. She spoke their language. And then her brother, who was the only member of her family that survived, spent years trying to find her and took her back from the tribe, and she re-entered civilization, and she went on book tours. She, like, went on tours and talked about her experience.
1: Wow. And she was a
2: celebrity of her day. It was, like, 1855 or something like that. And so that kind of book, these kinds of books that I'm talking about, I can just fly through. This kind of stuff intrigues me so much. It's like can be pretty random subjects, but just kind of off-the-wall, like... How did,
0: how did, who, who recommended that book to you? How did you find, cause that's, that's a book I've never heard of. It sounds incredible. Do you have friends who you go to for like book recommendations? No,
2: but I will say when a friend recommends a book to me, I, it's like the biggest gift. I, I will read anything that someone recommends to me. Cause I really, if, if I, if I know the person and I you know yeah, respect yeah. them or I, we, I like, you know, I, whatever, yeah. if they're, yeah, if someone somebody's... is raving about a book, I believe yeah. it, I'll trust it yeah and, yeah, I'll, yeah, and I'll, and I'll get the book or read it. So okay. I love being given books like couple fans have given me books, and I love that.
0: Oh, cool. So, like... What a great thing.
2: It's great. Like and after and they'll a barely, show? Yeah, they'll write me a note that says, I... That basically says, I love this book. I got a lot out of this book. And they'll give it to me. What
1: a fucking it's wonderful a gift. gift.
2: Yeah, so I... Like, even if it's... And I'm not... Like I said, I'm not super drawn to fiction, but I will read fiction, like, when yeah. it's recommended. So... Yeah. I found this book. You know, I have to say, like the way that I'm finding these books that I'm like tearing apart right now yeah. is Amazon, because Amazon recommendations. Yes, and that,
0: their algorithms. Like algorithm if you like this, like this, then you'll like this. And then
2: you know what I do? I'll at two in the morning when I'm bored and can't sleep. I'll read reviews of books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 if if the reviews are good, I'll I'll order the book. That's have you how you tried I'm getting them?
0: Yeah. Have you tried Goodreads? No. Goodreads is amazing. Goodreads is a is a book specific uh, website where. It's like every book that's ever written is there and uh, and you type in the books that you've read and then based on what you've read and what you've liked and then you rate it, oh. it offers you suggestions based on those types that's of books. Great. So Goodreads, is a that's a website that I'll lose like hours to. Yeah. Amazon's the same thing, but for some reason, Goodreads, the algorithm is like a little bit better. Yeah. So the suggestions that I get, and also you can like have friends who have accounts and then you can recommend books to each other so goodreads is fucking awesome oh that's great i'll have
2: to look into that because yeah Yeah. i just like you know i'll just spend a while on amazon finding stuff i wish
0: i was home so i could look at my bookcase right now and remember the non-fiction books that i've read that i've loved because i'm on a big i used to be when i lived in new york when i first started reading it was because i was like i need to I'm done with school, and I'm. I had the same kind of boredom. I was like, I need to feed my feed my brain. My yeah. brain is hungry. Yeah. And I felt bad reading fiction. I was like, oh, this is fluff. This is um, I, this. I need to read about a subject and learn about it because I, I don't know enough about. I, I want to know a little bit about the entire pie. Yeah. And so I'd beat myself up for picking up pieces of fiction, which is so foolish. And now, like, I love reading fiction. Yeah. But Um, I had a huge nonfiction kick when I when I was living in New York because I was just. I feel like I needed to get smarter, I needed to be doing work, yeah, like I needed to fucking fill my brain, yeah, but I haven't read a lot of nonfiction recently, but I have to go and jog my brain and find some of my favorites and recommend yeah. it too
2: I have some fiction that I'm like i I feel like I have some stuff that i I've been waiting sitting on that I need to read, yeah, but right now I think I think the reason why I'm reading the books I'm reading like the the nonfiction i'm finding a trend it's all basically stuff it's not like it's not like you know uh it's not like book smart stuff. It's like humanity stuff. It's consciousness stuff because mm. this kind of thing really inspires me to write yeah, yeah. poetry. So oh, I think cool. I'm just like, I think that there's a real reason that I'm kind yeah, of drawn yeah. to these stories. Like yeah. reading about a 14-year-old girl who gets kidnapped by Indians Like it's and it's a true story. Right. It makes you, it really kind of blows your mind a little yeah. bit and it makes me, it gets my wheels turning.
0: Amazing. So
2: that's why I think I'm drawn to this kind of thing. The, the, the one book that I... Because the thing, too, is that I don't really have favorite books or authors. I just... Yeah. I haven't really... Fa- I, I don't know if I've spent enough time committed to finding authors that I love.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: especially fiction. Yeah. But the nonfiction that I, is like probably the, the, my favorite one I've read in the last so couple cool. of years is called My Stroke of Insight. It's about a neuro... Okay. I'm going to butcher this. She's a... She's, like, a brain scientist, neurosci. Yeah, neuro- yeah, neurosurgeon. Maybe neuro- she was scientist. a neurosurgeon or something, but she... Her name was Jill Bolte-Taylor, and she had a stroke in, in I want to say, her left hemisphere, which everyone controls language and that kind of thing. Yeah. And she had a clot that, like, you know, like, engulfed her brain, um, drowned her brain or whatever, and she experienced the most crazy stroke where she lost her language lost everything and she was alone like exercising and she looked at her hands and they suddenly looked like claws like her human hand to her looked um completely well like an apes or something like she didn't recognize her body and she was like starting to feel really weird and she basically just takes a long time describing this in the book but like what it took for her to call someone that she worked with to get help without having language and she got to the hospital and long story short she loses her enti- she loses her ego she loses she forgets who she is she doesn't recognize her her parents she's like 40 years old or so she doesn't know anything she couldn't tell you that that's a couch or that's a book or whatever and she describes it as the most freeing blissful time in her whole life
1: wow. of
2: the only thing that she could do was read people's body language. So when a nurse entered the room, she could sense that that person was good yeah. or had not so great intentions or didn't really care about her based on the way they carried themselves because she couldn't recognize life around did she, her. Did
0: she do a TED Talk?
2: I'm sure she... I think she did. Okay, because this she story a sounds Talk. a little familiar. Yes, she did do a TED Talk, actually, and this is her book about the experience and how her Whoa. she her mom had to reteach her what every item in the world is based on telling her she would literally say like Jill that she would put Jill on the grass and Jill would touch the grass and she would say this is grass this is this grows in the ground there are bugs this is a bug the bug is in the grass her mom retaught her what what consciousness and life is but she it's it's a brilliant account from a neuroscientist like this is someone who whoops this is someone who studies the brain and had a stroke and experienced what she well, the trauma that she deals with in patients and she remembered it all on the other end to write a book about the experience it's unbelievably it's incredible
0: that give me the name and the title of so
2: it's my stroke of insight it's by jill bolte taylor and
0: amazing uh, I what a highly great.
2: recommend it
0: what a great recommendation yeah. Um, if I'm bookending this interview with, with songs from your album, which if you could pick two to start the interview and to close the interview, well, what one would you choose?
2: I would I would pick my two favorite songs on the album that are kind of the song equivalent maybe of the kinds of books that I'm reading, of like sort of like thinking about consciousness and thinking about what humanity is and Yeah. And like and that kind of thing and and looking at how weird life is, all that. So I would start it with the song Billions of Eyes, which is kind of a song about anxiety and having trouble connecting with people Mm -hmm. in the world now where we're all kind of on our phones and not really really talking to each other. Um, And then I would end it with a song, Spat Out Spit, which is about what, what is life? What are we doing? Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's just like a weird, like uh, song that an idea that came to me while I was watching someone and it's in the song, but I was watching someone, uh, yawning on the, on the F train in New York. And I looked and I had this weird moment where I've seen people yawn my whole life and I've done it. But I, when I saw this woman do it, I, my, I had a new perspective on it and I looked at this person and thought that what an odd face, like what an odd thing to be doing with your face. Like the, what it what? That's weird. That's yeah. really weird. That looks weird. Yeah. Um, and that spiraled my mind into like the chorus, which is, um, was I born wild? Have I been asleep this whole time dreaming up my life? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like, will I actually awake and find out that I'm an animal in the
4: woods?
0: Two great choices. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Alice is has been my guest today. See Lady Lamb this fall everywhere in the U S and in Europe. Thank you so much. This was fantastic
3: fucking super fun. It's been a pleasure this It was, was really great. fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you Thanks Nate Now I'm sitting on the train and I'm peeling an orange I look over nonchalantly at a woman She is yawning and though this side is coming I am abruptly mesmerized And it strikes me in this moment For the first time in my life how strange We all are animal hearts pumping. System suspended in me It's the same one in you That pulses and spins We're just made of flecks of the heavens Spat out spit We are filled with the gore From long, long before And I'm through a sudden war make you see me a warrior.
0: big thanks, uh, enormous thanks to Allie for sitting down with me and chatting about her career and her creativity and her love of books. It was a really fun talk. And uh, and I, yeah, I can't push her music harder on you guys. You should really check her out because I think she's doing something really special right now. Um, so thank you again, Allie. Uh, she's on the road right now. So go to her website. Check out where she's playing. She's going all over the place. She's in the U.S. She's going to Europe. Uh, So check her out live. She's great live. I saw her at The Echo a few months ago, and she was awesome. Uh, And that's it for this week's show. I'll be back next week with an amazing interview uh, with Amy Nicholson, who hosts the Canon here on Wolf Pop. We talk movies, great books about movies, her experience as a film critic for the LA Weekly. It's a really fun, awesome conversation. So that's next week, as well as a really funny reading that John Ross Bowie did for us. Oh God, he just absolutely destroys it. I'm so excited to share with you guys. So thanks so much for listening to another episode of Reading Aloud. Uh, And big thanks always to Possessed by Paul James for allowing us to use his music for our theme music. He's amazing. Uh, my name is Nate Cordry. You've been listening to Reading Aloud, and we'll see you next week. Okay. All right.
1: Oh, you hit me like a hurricane.
4: Podcast listeners, it's me, Darren Toblerone. You might have heard me and my brother, Aaron Toblerone, on the California Supreme Wind Show, the only podcast all about California Supreme Windows, just minutes from the 405, your number one spot to get great deals on Windows, and now also Door. But there are many more podcasts than just my brother's podcast. It's true, like with special guest Lauren Lapkus, for example. Every week she plays a different character, and she's the guest of someone else who's playing another character who's the host. It's complicated, but it's also not. But it's also great, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Listen to this. Get off your knees, you damn idiot. I love you, Regina. Stand up. (laughs) I'm going to give you osteoporosis (laughs) in your knees with my cane. (laughs) Stand up, you idiot. I will, Master. (laughs) Put on this ball gag, you bitch. (laughs) Take it out. You liked it too much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Mommy. So sit by your favorite window and listen to with special guest Lauren Lapkus on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or the podcast player of your choice. Doinky windows forever. Goodbye.
1: Pop. Pop? Pop, 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 pop. pop,
3: pop, pop, pop. <laughs> Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media. Executive
1: produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.